Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. When you lead from a base of expertise, your confidence and credibility are derived from your knowledge. People follow you as a result. However, when you take a stretch assignment and span outside of your comfort zone, leading requires a different approach, one of influence, inspiration, compromise, and courage. We are here to talk about how to take that next step and keep going. Now, here is your host, Wanda Wallace. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. So today we're doing one of my absolute favorite kinds of shows. We're going to talk to one leader about their personal journey. And my guest today has had stepped out of her comfort zone quite a few occasions. We're going to talk about what she's done to be successful in those moments, how she prepares for the next level, how she's found the courage to make those bold moves, and especially relevant for today, how she keeps herself motivated. So my guest is Kirsten Jordan. She's a leading real estate advisor and entrepreneur who's brokered a half billion dollar sales dollars in sales for executives, celebrities, and investors. She leads a top producing team at Douglas Elliman in New York City, and Douglas Elliman is directing over $350 million in new business development alone. She's a go-to housing expert on national broadcast, and she's highly regarded for her market intelligence, her ingenuity, and her incredibly impressive track record. Kristen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so, I'm so excited to be here with you. I'm excited to hear about the story and I'm excited to share all of that with everybody. So let's start at the top. I described you as the business leader, the real estate person, but what are, what about you as a person? What are your hobbies? What are your interests? Oh, well, as a real estate agent, it's really hard sometimes to describe what your hobbies are because most of them involve just anything that, that just gets you kind of in a better mindset or a better headspace, because this is a very, very, um, it's a very, very mindset headspace business. You know, it's really what you, what you put out there is really what you attract and, and it's, and it's just, it's entrepreneurial. So, so for me, my hobbies would probably be like, I love meditating. I, I love exercise, which for lack of a better, I know that that's just part of self-care, but really for me, exercise is a really big part of my life. Walking, hiking, running, you know, all that. I've got a trainer recently changed my life just in general. And I would say that, and then the rest of it is like, I'm a, I'm a self-help junkie. Like I love reading books about self-help, about, you know, personal improvement. And, and right now hobbies for me feel like the, the public speaking aspect and the, and the, that kind of, that kind of world. I love that stuff so much. Okay. All right. So why real estate? What drew you to this industry? I did not come to real estate for real estate itself. I had been living in Italy and I was actually working for a company where I was doing sales for them. I was, I was 23 years old. I, I was living in Italy. And when I came home, I was 24 and, uh, and I wanted to get in, stay in sales. And I learned Italian. And my stepfather said to me, you know what, if you're going to be in sales, the best thing to do is to pick something that's expensive to sell because then you sell it and you make more money. And at that point you're doing sales. So what do you care? What do you care about what you're selling? And the truth is I didn't care about what I was selling. And, and so I got my real estate license. I was 24. Um, and I had, and I was, you know, I'd come back from this couple year European excursion of learning the language and living in Italy. And, um, and then I immediately got an apprenticeship uh, working for a top agent. And that really propelled my business to the next level. And I, and it gave me the foundations to, to really get where I am today. All right, now you, that just tripped off your tongue. As you said, I was in sales and I happen to love sales. And my stepfather said, we'll sell something expensive. Did you? <laughs> did that take a while to settle in or did you just go check? Yes, that's it. I'm on it. 
I'm a hasty individual in general. I think I was telling you about this before. I, I can move really, really quickly. And I didn't need to think because I thought to myself, you know what? I've learned by being in so many different jobs because I had been in like, I think I'd been in probably 10 or 12 jobs since I graduated from college. And that was just a few years before. So I had jumped around so much and I had realized from jumping around so much that all you needed to do is stick it out at something. And eventually you feel like you're good at it and then it becomes fun. And I knew that if I was just in sales and I just picked something and I stuck with it, I would be okay. And that's why I'm still in real estate because ultimately the longer you I would get into this business, the more I would say, but I've come this far. Things are finally this way. I'm finally getting these clients. I'm finally getting here. And so it didn't take me long to settle in. There's a lot more that it took me to realize, to realize I needed to run a team and I need to have my own business and I need to be in a leadership role. I think in the beginning I was so busy just trying to learn how to do the business, trying to learn how to transact, do many transactions, understand what that looked like. And then there were some things that propelled me to decide I wanted to be in leadership um, or be in a, you know, start something. And, and that was actually a really big shift for me. Okay. All right. I can see that. One last question about this one. Why sales? You know, most people listening think, ooh, sales, yuck. That's that creepy yeah. stuff where you just yeah. push people out on people. I don't think so. I think everybody is a salesperson, whether they admit it or not. But for you, why sales? What's the attraction to sales? Well, I, I didn't even know I wanted to be in sales until I ended up in this job in Italy doing sales. And they just needed someone who spoke Italian and English. And my Italian had gotten good enough that I could help translate. And I thought to myself, okay, well, I don't care what job I'm in. It's a steady job. They want to give me a desk job. Because at that point, I was waiting tables. I was teaching English. I was babysitting. I wasn't doing any full-on real job. And it was getting, you know, you're starting to get into your 20s. And you're like, I, I, even though I'm living abroad and this is a great experience, I probably need to do a real job. And this was the only real job that wanted me at the time, literally, that picked me. And, and, and so by doing it, I thought, this is so crazy. Everybody talks a lot of smack about sales, but this is actually more fun than anything else I've ever done because I'm with people, I'm making phone calls, it's transactional, and it, it lets me get out there, which I didn't realize was something that was so important to me, but I have, I have ADHD, I love being out with people, I love the physical movement of moving around, and so, and that's, sales gives you all those things. It's all of those. All right. Great. All right. I'm going to come back and talk to you about the secret for sales, but I want to focus on the career path because what I'm interested in now are your experiences, what you've learned, the changes and so on. So I want to talk about a big move. I want to talk about one of the biggest moves you've made outside your comfort zone, like that big gulp moment. And already we know you're willing to go to Italy, so you're willing to take some risk. But what was one of those big moves? And tell us the story. The, the biggest move that I took outside of my comfort zone in the last, especially in the last several years was the million dollar listing move. When I, you know, they texted me, casting texted me um, in November, I think it was September of 2019. They texted me and, and I got a you know random message. Would you be interested in casting for the television show Million Dollar List in New York? And I actually saw the text and I thought they'd only texted me. And I actually thought I'd been discovered immediately. And, and I just immediately thought this is, this is why I was meant to be in this business and stick it out because there were so many times when I almost left real estate. I've, I have, I have three young children. I had all of my pregnancies and all my children while I've been in real estate. Um, I, I dabbled in a nutrition career at one point because I thought that's where my, my passion really was. And I kept coming back to real estate and I still was never 100% happy. And the million dollar listing piece 
while I, it was very exciting and, and I ended up getting the role and I ended up being on the television show, that was, I've never been so far pushed out of my comfort zone in my life because it sounds interesting and it sounds cool, but what it did was it propelled me from just being a real estate agent and having some pictures of myself on my Instagram to a lot more about speaking, a lot more about being in front of the camera. It was a lot also about appearance, about wardrobe, about makeup. I was a, I'm a tomboy. Like I didn't even know how to put on makeup. I didn't know how to do my own hair. I didn't, there were so many layers that I had to learn. And it's very, it sounds extremely, um, I guess you could say shallow, all of these items, but all of these pieces of it, but it, those were the pieces that then pushed me to say, oh, wow, like I have something. I am somebody. I do have a gift that I have been stuffing down inside of me and a desire that I've been stuffing down inside of me for all this time that taking this leap is 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 meant to be. And um, and and what was really special about being on the show is that you are being pushed when you're there. You know, they're like, hey, that was great, but like we need a little more energy or you need to do that again. Um, you know, why did you, so there's, there's a lot of that, even though it's all reality, none of it's fake. There is a level where you need real energy to transmit to a camera. It's not the same. I'm not the way of talking to you right now on the camera. It's not the way I need to talk to a friend at coffee. Um, it's, you need to bring so much more. And, uh, and so it was also a big deal because clearly I have family. My, my children were on television. That's a big decision big outside the comfort zone step. And then of course it was exposing my personal life, my husband, the way I do business, the way I talk about business, who I am, certain layers of drama, insecurities, so much just putting it right out there. And for me, I didn't even process it fully because I'm so impulsive and hasty and I move so quickly. I'm still kind of like processing it. Like I haven't even watched every episode of myself. Ah, interesting, interesting, interesting. So for those who don't know the show, give us the like the two second pitch on how does what is this thing about? How does it work? OK, uh, Million Dollars in New York is a reality television show that is a documentary style reality television show about real estate agents selling homes in New York City. Um, there's a, you know, sometimes they go outside of New York city, but overall it tracks the life of these real estate agents, them selling homes, pitching homes, how they sell it, the marketing. Um, and then it goes to the closing of the deal. So that's, that's just the structure. It's a, it's, you know, reality. And of course, um, the, it's like a 30 to 60 minute episode, depending on the, right. On right. The okay. So you take this crazy move and suddenly it's not just you out there doing it. You got this whole set of skills you've got to learn. How do you speak to camera? How do you up your energy? When do you up your energy? How do you work on the appearance piece? How do you do the public speaking piece? You're exposing your family. You're exposing your personal philosophy. You're exposing everything about you. So, all right. How did you get comfortable with that move? It was, it just, it really took believing that this was the right thing, that this was, this was going to be it. I had this whole conversation with myself consistently. And what's ironic is that the show actually is on pause. So there's not another season that's coming out. And, and a lot of people kept telling me, you know, it's not until your second or third season that you really see it. So you really need to be ready to be all in for multiple seasons. Otherwise it's not going to affect your business enough for this to be worth it. And so I was so prepared to be in it for multiple seasons and get myself kind of, kind of psyched up for that. Um, and so, and so for me, it was like, I, 
honestly, I didn't even think it was just, okay, next, what's next, what's next. It was more manning up and finding help because I didn't have an assistant when I started. I, I had, I had all these clients. I was trying to juggle it all. I didn't really have the right kind of childcare that I needed. So I had to, I had to level up everywhere. And I think it taught me how to level up quickly and how to hire quickly and train quickly. And then it also is where I made the biggest mistakes with regards to hiring and training. And I was, so it was just this like, roll with it. It's going to be crazy. Things are going to be like blowing up behind you as you move forward, because it's just going to be an absolute SHIT show, like literally. And, and I think that it was just, I had this faith that if I jumped into the void, it, it would change my life. Okay. All right. Did you ever regret it? Halfway through, did you regret it? Um, the only things that were regrettable at the time was like, I ha- I had to send my family on vacations without me with my husband. I had to skip a lot. I missed, I missed a solid couple of years of consciousness with my children probably where I wasn't fully present. And I think that's the only main regret is just that I wasn't, my cortisol levels were so high that it was hard for me to be present with my family and my husband while we were filming and while it was all going on. Right. Okay. Last question. Did you have advisors or mentors or anybody who really helped sort of calm you down and say, hold, wait a minute, you got to get your perspective back in. So who was there to help you? I have, I found, I found a life coach through a friend um, who has been really instrumental for me. She's a very, very strong force and personality. She, especially there were moments where I specifically I moved, I left the team I was on while the show was filming and I moved to a firm by myself and started my own team when all this was going on. And when that was happening, it was, I, I mean, this is, we're, we're talking about somebody who I had been on teams working for other people for the first 12 years of being in the business. I clearly was not ready. It was really having a hard time with that. Cause otherwise who, who does that for all this time, especially with a personality like this. And so that was just, and she was, we, we call it, we call it, we refer to it as Home Depot, those Home Depot times where she was literally in Home Depot. It was like having an emergency coaching call with me while I was like sobbing. And the, and the company I was leaving was calling me, you know, trying to get me to stay and her, you know, re-coaching me through why I'd made the decision, why I'm making the move, why, you know, th- that typical yeah. Yeah. process of like you it's hard right now. And you're going to look back and realize this is the best decision you've ever made. But right now it's very hard and you need to make this move and it's the right thing and you're going to do it. But it was for me, that was so much harder than getting cast on the show and getting through the show because the show, there was a support system. I was talent. I was being taken care of. You know, they were, they were, even though they were pushing me, they loved me. I was the only woman. I was the first woman. They'd never had a woman there. You know, they, they loved me getting dressed up. They loved the clothes. They loved that. I was new that I was excited about it. That energy you don't get from second season cast members, third season cast members. I'd be a different person now filming the show, you know? And so it, but, but the rest of my life wasn't so forgiving at the time. (laughs) All right. So let's shift and talk about this creating of the um, team And I guess before I want to do that, I want to go to this notion of leveling up, Um, Mm -hmm. something I know you spend a lot of time thinking about and have done some talks on when you need to level up quickly, like suddenly the demands in your life are higher than you've expected. What does it take? What A, what do you mean by leveling up and B, how do you do it? For me, leveling up has looked like a three-step process because of the fact that I have three children. I have a husband. 
I have a significant home life that needs to be compartmentalized and taken care of and cannot be ignored for me to level up in other areas. And, and so where I started was creating systems, which I did from day one of making sure that I had childcare, which I'm fortunate to be able to afford, but also something that I prioritized and decided I wanted to have. I also had organized systems at home in general for how things were going and cleanliness and and everything. So for me, systems at home and systems to be able to make sure that you exercise, have self-care, all of that need to be in place because then that next step is possible, which is realizing that you can't do it alone. And this is a piece that I hesitated the longest before I did. And as soon as I started truly leveraging other people, finding people who really were on my wavelength and were ready to step in and step up with me, I was able to just catapult my business. The first year I had an assistant, I tripled my income. And I had been stuck in this for 12 years, talking about getting an assistant, trying to tell myself that I didn't make enough money to justify it. Just this like, just constant self-talk about the fact that until I hit a million dollars in GCI, there was no way I could do it. Until I was making a million dollars and I was doing a million dollars in commissions, I didn't deserve it because that was the metric. And then I I didn't hit a million dollars in GCI until I hired someone. And so this idea that you can't do it alone, and I think for a lot of people, it's very hard to outsource. It's very hard to let go. And the problem is, is a lot of the time someone like me, I let go when I'm so fatigued that I let go like this. Take it. I'm done. I'm done. I can't even, I want to see them ever again. Done. And, and, and so learning what what was necessary there. And then the, and then the third step, which was consistently happening to me during the filming of million dollar listing was that accepting that there was going to be a lot of judgment from peers and from family um, around the fact that I was going to have to leverage other people to get things done. And that I was going to have to step away from, from responsibilities that are traditionally expected of a woman and a mother. Um, and, and that those things were no longer going to be my responsibility and I might never take them back as my responsibility. And, and that's something that I've, I still struggle with. Um, you know, I even, you know, I'll get an offhanded comment from a family member. I won't mention who, um, but here and there, I still get those comments about, about being ridiculous about the fact that I should spend more time with my kids. And I listen, quality time is quality time. And then, I have to dedicate time to, to work and, and, and it's all going to have to come out in the wash because that's what I've decided to do. Great. All right. So systems, I want to take these one by one because I think there's incredible lessons in this. So yes, we need childcare. Yes. We need somebody who makes sure that the house is cleaned and the yard is taken care of and so on. But beyond that, what kind of systems do you have? that are a little bit, do you have any unique ones that are insights? So we have systems right now almost around everything that you would never expect to systematize. Like, I mean, first of all, I have a personal trainer and I have an exercise regime that's, that involves a lot of accountability or even just setting up the, the in advance when I'm going to get my hair colored, planning it all the way out for a year in advance or planning the exact dates that we start planning. We start doing holiday like we're working on holiday lists right now. We're working on holiday lists where everything is planned in advance of what that's going to look like. Even my social media, what the posts should be revolving around and then something outside of that topic, we're not touching because that's not where we are. And it's just, and then what the cadence is for that, the KPIs of how many posts we're doing per month, how many engagements I can handle, even the idea that I'm only going to do certain podcasts in certain times of the year because I don't even have mental space to be present in, you know, the middle of December for something like this, because I would, I would just be jumping out of my skin. And so 
those are the, and then of course at my business level, you know, we are in the process of continuing to up level up our systems, which involve tech stacks and automation and, and all of that to just continue to systematize how we do things. Even with my agents, I make sure that there's a, a template for everything that they do so that when they say, Oh, could you send me the most recent comp report that you did? I want to see how you did it. I'm like, well, there's a system. I can send you what I recently did so you can see the most recent narrative I've written. But aside from that, this is the way we do things. And that's what I've really focused on with when it comes to system is this is the way I do things. And people even know if they're coming to a party or an event with me, they know it's going to be nice. They know that there's going to be a certain level of what they're getting. And that's also very important for my business because my business is a business where people want to know who they're dealing with. And and that's one of the reasons why they want to work with me because I'm the same person every day that they meet me. I think that's true in a whole host of businesses, not just in this one. Um, I love this idea of systems and templates and processes, basically, because that is a fast way of bringing your team members up to speed, getting consistency in the team, and driving somewhat of accountability. Because you can say to people, okay, so you want to do this report. Have you used the template? Where is it? What have you looked at? And if they've not, then there's a, we'll go start there. So there's a whole component of consistency within the team, as well as training within the team. Oh, I mean, we just, we're even training on a new CRM. That's the state of the art, the state of the art CRM. And it's, it's implementation of these particular systems is the bane of my existence, but what's going to take us to the next level. I can't tell you how many times I'm having that conversation with leaders who think, oh yeah, I do need to do that. And it's like, oh yeah, I do need to do it. And next year we'll be having the same conversation and they'll have the same stress levels that they haven't done it already. So systems at home, planning at home, not that that makes it rigid, I presume, but that you sort of know what's on track what's in focus, what's out of focus for you, systematizing the processes behind how things get done. Okay. All right. Can't do it alone. All right. I, you know, my book title, you can't know it all. I should have told it. I could have also called it. You can't do it all. How do you get your head around the fact that you can't do it all? And then more importantly, I want to say, so how do you let go without just dropping it or micromanaging it? Well, the you can't do it all is is something I have to remind myself all day, every day. I've built a group and an organization so quickly that I have days where I think, well, I guess I could just get rid of them because I know how to do that and I and I could do it. But the but then I think to myself, oh my God, no, that would be like the actual worst thing ever. Cause this what am I thinking? That's crazy. But it's very, very easy. It's very, very easy to, to think that way. And so as far as not being able to do it all for me, it was, it's been really finding the right people. I mean, I use personality testing. I use multiple levels of interviews. I were really careful. Like I, when someone comes on the team, we're very, very ready and they're very ready. And we're all very comfortable with the expectations that are there. Additionally, of course, it has to do with roles and making sure that those are right, which is something that's also a huge struggle, especially in this business. Cause if the the go-getters are willing to run around and help with anything, and that's almost not good sometimes, right? Because everybody's right. stepping on each other's toes. Um, and so I would say that's the, you know, it's de- definitely the finding, being able to let go enough to hire. So, in the, and then the other piece about not dropping it and not having so much fatigue is as soon as you think about a hire, you need to start thinking about what the process is going to look like for that hire. And even if you're not hiring them for a year, I have a specific hire that I'm hoping to hire in the next year. 
Um, it's a very, very, very big hire. Um, it might even involve, you know, profit sharing. And, and, and that's something that you have to be really thinking about the avatar of who that person is and really getting real about what you're really looking for and expectations and thinking far out instead of this, okay, I, I know I need an assistant. I'm going to put it off. I'm going to put it off because then by the time that person gets there, you, my, my assistant that I have right now, she's been with me a year and a little over a year and we're finally in the groove okay. to the year and she's incredible, but it take, it's taken a year to really be in the groove of understanding where then now she can really help instead of just, Oh, I got it. Okay, stuff. I got, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Grabbing stuff here and there and everywhere. Yeah. I think this balance of a defining the role making it really clear what that role is about, understanding that we're all, what our final goal looks like. What's my objective for what it's going to be, what we're going to achieve at the end, understanding that really truly, understanding how you like things, how you want things done, what the processes are, and then like setting up the guardrails so people can actually operate within those guardrails. But when you get to the point that you're so ready to let it go that you just want to pitch it over the fence and say, it's yours, I'm done, that's it, you're out of steam to actually do the development you need to do with people. And I think that's where a lot of stuff goes wrong. A lot of frustration happens. Yeah. And they're trying to do it because they want to save the money because they don't want to hire yet or they want to save the time and they don't want to hire yet. But the truth is, is, is you're not saving much of anything because it could be a dumpster fire when you finally find this perfect person and you've just dumped everything on their plate. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Kristen, this is a perfect place to take a break. When we mm -hmm. come back, I want to talk about how do you deal with people's judgments about you? And I want to talk about how do you know if it's time for the team to rechange your team? If you've got the right people or the wrong people on board and what do you do about that? So my guest today is Christian Jordan. She's a leading real estate advisor and entrepreneur who has brokered half billion dollar deals in sales in all sorts of places with all sorts of people living primarily in New York City at the moment. And we'll be right back. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Hi, I'm Wanda Wallace, host of Out of the Comfort Zone. We have some amazing guests with some incredibly good ideas about how to take your leadership to the next level. But I find people are looking for more practical ways of implementing those ideas. So we've created an individual subscription service specifically to focus on how to apply. You'll find more about that at www.outofthecomfortzone.com. We have two additional subscription services, one for the social group that want to exchange ideas and perspectives with a group and talk about career advancement. And we have a master's level for people who want to take a deeper dive, all on outofthecomfortzone.com. We hope you'll join us. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadership-forum.com. You're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, helping organizations get it and keep it. This is Wanda Wallace, host of Out of the Comfort Zone. 
Do you find yourself in a role where your team knows more than you know? Are you struggling to see how you now add value? For years, I've coached leaders who have moved beyond the comfort zone of their expertise and have developed a methodology to help them make the leap and go on to do more. All of those tips are now packed into my new book, You Can't Know It All. Visit our website at leadership-forum.com or tune in to Out of the Comfort Zone for more insight. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadership-forum.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. With me today is Kirsten Jordan. She's a real estate agent in New York doing half-billion-dollar sales and we have been talking about how Kristen gets our Kristen gets out of her comfort zone, taking some big leaps, and the three key things that make all the difference for her in that next leveling up have to do with systems, systems at home, systems for planning holidays, systems for work processes, systems for hiring, systems for the social media systems. And then that creates incredible leverage for her to be able to focus on what matters. We've also been talking about the philosophy of you can't do it alone or you can't do it all. And how do you find the right rules? How do you uh, roles? How do you let it go? How do you make sure that when you let it go, you're leveling people up and putting them in a position that makes them really successful? Now, the third part is dealing with the judgments, the judgments of family and friends of, wait a minute, um, shouldn't you be doing? And we all know what this looks like, that comment from your mother-in-law, or in my case, from my mother. Um, my mother said to me at one point, I secretly hoped you would never have a child. And <laughs> 30 years later, I'm still remembering that, that thought. I'm not upset about it anymore. But it's that sort of stuff that people just say with well-meaning at the time, but boy, it stings. That's the part we haven't talked about, Kirsten. So how do you deal with it? You know, I think you just stuff like you said it stings because of the fact that you're working so hard and it usually comes at a moment when you're working so hard and you finally have it together and you're already beating yourself up about the fact that maybe you aren't perfect in other ways and maybe you're specifically beating yourself about what they're ready to dig in on you on and um and it's and it's it's at this point i just kind of laugh it off and i smile it off because the truth is is they aren't being hurtful and for some people you're not going to you're not going to be able to change their vision of the way that the world works. You're if they're if they're going to judge you about this and they're going to they're either going to have something happen in their life that will make them realize, "Oh my gosh, I don't know how you do it all. I really get it why you, you know, have I don't know, at one point I had a nanny and I had an au pair and that was the only way we could make it work." You know, right. and, you know, or I realize why you have a personal assistant for this, or I realize why you don't do this yourself anymore. Most of the time they might never get there and they might never see that. And, and I just have, I, I keep going back to myself and saying, this is what I really wanted. I can't envision myself being happy or moving forward with my life without the way that I have this infrastructure. And so I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and I'm just going to look inside for affirmation and for, for 
somebody for that person who's going to say, wow, that's incredible. It's impressive what you've done. And then of course, there is a level where I need to, I continue to create time and create time to be present with my family, because that's the only thing I ultimately care about. You can say whatever you want about me, but to me, my highest and best use of myself when I'm with my family is being able to be present with my family. And if I have to do a lot of other things that take away from that, that are things that ultimately I don't have to do, then that's not a great use of my time. If we just, even just from an, not even just from an economics perspective, from, but from a joy of life perspective. Right, right. Okay, so that's all nice philosophy. And yes, we turn inward to do our affirmations. Absolutely, totally. We have to feel good about the choices that we've made. And, you know, we tell ourselves not to worry. But, you know, you wake up at the three o'clock in the morning and that comment is still rolling around in your head. Do you have any secrets for stopping those comments from invading your life, your brain? This is where creating real relationships and having some real friends is really important. And I think coaching is also really important. I know you do a lot of incredible work. And I think that having somebody who can help you reframe quickly some of these things that happen, even if it's an emergency text to someone or somebody who you know can help you reframe what's going on, I think that is so valuable because I've had things like this and I've literally had to jump on an emergency call because I'm not moving forward. Like I'm a goldfish most of the time. I can move on super quickly. I don't remember. I mean, I'm in sales. I don't care. You can say whatever you want. But when it comes to some of these personal zingers that can really, really be a setback for me, sometimes I just can't shake it. And that's where either deep female relationships I find can be most of the the best thing for me. I, it's taken me a long time to create friends in New York City. I finally have a nice group of, of, of women friends, which I think you get maybe once in a lifetime. And then, and or having a, or having somebody who is has life co- has has coaching skills. Because it is a, it's a skill and it's a profession, and those people are able to help you turn it around, especially if you trust them and they know how to work with you. Right. I certainly spend a ton of time with that in coaching, is helping people take something and see it from a different angle. And when you can shift it to a different angle, then you can cope with it in a better way. All right. So let's talk about, so you level up, right? You've, lo- yeah. you've done all these three things. Everything is humming along. And you you think you're on this great, lovely plateau, and then suddenly you realize, wait, it's not going quite the way I wanted it to. So at that moment, you're frequently going back to your team and reevaluating, do I have the right people, the wrong people? Talk us through how you handle those moments of, I thought I had it all together. Oops, now it's not working the way I want it to. Having a team and running a business feels like whack-a-mole a lot of the time. It's a, it's okay, this is going right and I've whacked this and I'm and, and we've gotten that figured out and I'm gonna go over here and then it's like, oh, I gotta hit this thing and I gotta, and it, it just, or the lids on the pots, whatever metaphor it is of just consistently all, all, of, all of that moving around. Um, as far as the team is concerned, from what I can see, and now I'm in into my third year of my team, it is at some point, I would call it um, like three, four, three strikes. You know, if there's things that are really not consistent with the culture, not consistent with the values, not consistent with with what you know the team should be, and it keeps coming, don't ignore your instincts because I, I, I most of the time, by the time I go to fire somebody, they're quitting, <laughs> <laughs> and because we've all we're all clear that this isn't working, 
Um, and, and so that's, that's the number one piece for me is just this, listen to when things aren't going right, get to the bottom of it and figure it out. And then if it really isn't working, make sure that you're, you know, higher, slow, fire, fast, very, very important as far as, as far as the team's concerned. And then there's this other piece of really understanding and being in communication and overlapping to understand what people's real needs are to be able to get their, their job done. And, and that's where I think, especially in my business, the infrastructure that I've created is, is this is a relatively new infrastructure in the world of business because real estate agents traditionally have done this by themselves. Maybe they had one assistant, maybe, but this idea of these mega teams is an infrastructure that's probably like 20 years old as far as the, the, the actual tradition, this now this new traditional structure where you have a leader, you have somebody who handles operations, you have sales, and then you have, you know, under the operations is marketing, under sales is all these salespeople and, and what that looks like, which is a traditional organization, but there's so many nuances that we're learning now. And, and so that's also for me, been right. where coaching has been very, very important is to have somebody who's seen this before and done it before, because for me, this is also new and and having that relationship with somebody that you're checking in with frequently, because otherwise you're just so in your head and you just don't know why things aren't going exactly how you thought. And, and, and a lot of the time it's me, I'm the leader. I need to be more clear. I need to have, I need to have, I need to give people clearer expectations than I need to let them do their job. Um, and then I also need to be, you know, kind and, and gentle and, and let them understand that like I'm here and I'm happy to be here, but then there also needs to be consequences and there needs to be clarity around where KPIs are. So so right now with our, with our organization, the key has just been listening to our gut about things working or not working and, and, and hiring slow and firing fast, and then continuing to work on this evolution of truly understanding job descriptions and roles and responsibilities so that everybody can actually do their job. I think that's the hardest thing is this, especially when you coming into a new structure of an organization that you're, you still have to kind of make it up a little bit as right. you go. That's right. You talk about this in terms of this is new as real estate, but if I think about any number of professional services, particularly partnership kind of based firms, so lawyers, accountants, uh, consulting companies, where as a partner, you're sort of running your own business and you typically run it with one, two, maybe you got some other junior, maybe you got some support, but learning how to put that all together in a business model and really leverage it is a skill we don't teach, at least not in any of these tradition, these kind of businesses. No, because it's it's uh, it, it, you really need to have one hundred percent clarity about the expectations. Because the smaller the organization, the more overlap and the more confusing it can become of who does what and who owns this file and who owns that file and what who's the client facing and who's not client facing and especially especially when the leader is a high driver personality and, you know, is a genius of sorts that they can remember things, you know, and they, and they know what needs to happen and they know how to close it. So they're going to jump back in if they need to jump back in. And it's, it's really that, where do you, the where do you let go mm-hmm. and let, and let mm-hmm. people do their job? All right. So how do you get the team you're describing people with various different roles and presuming they need each other in different places to really make this business hum? But you don't typically attract people to sales who want to work collaboratively. They all want to go out and do their own thing completely independently. So how do you think about that bringing of the team together as a cohesive unit? 
where we're focusing with the team on bringing them together, the salespeople specifically, because the fact that we have, we separate operations from sales um, in the way that we structured our team. So the operations part of the team is the, is the, is the marketing administrative transaction coordination, my executive assistant, those, those roles are technically, you know, those are, they have a different compensation structure because they need the stability and they also have different ways that they structure their day. Whereas the real estate agents are 1099 independent contractors. It's even worse than just regular salespeople because they actually don't work for me at all. They could walk up, get up and walk out at any time. And they, in addition to that, I can give them KPIs. I can give them responsibilities. I can give them meetings, but I can't force them to do anything. It's about motivation, excitement, and it's about them wanting the accountability and appreciating the accountability. Okay. So that, and so we've created a lot of structure and a lot of basically accountability for these agents under the understanding that they have joined the team because this is the accountability that they want. And I'm not taking people on my team that don't want that level of accountability. And I will tell you that agents say that they want the accountability. And when push comes to shove, a lot of them can't actually handle it. Right. And, and that's where you have to say, this is the level of accountability that we're going to be having. I can't have seat warmers. And unless you're in it or you're not in it, you can let us know. But but I'm putting so much into this and into basically raising you and training you and mentoring you and giving you opportunity that you're either all in or you're all out. Okay. Um, but I but but ultimately, what we actually need the most is, you know, it's the coaching. And that's really the because it's, it's actually coaching. It's not just. It's accountability, it's sales management, it's it's training, it's all of this. But but to make people want to do things and to get mm-hmm. the most out of people and make them want to do it for themselves, that's the that's the part that's that's as you know, the tough stuff. <laughs> the fun stuff, I would add, but I would say yeah. that one. So any advice on the motivation, how to keep people motivated, particularly we were talking earlier about it seems at this moment in time that there's a burnout I haven't seen even through COVID. People are making mm-hmm. mistakes. They're frustrated. Their patience is at an all-time thin level. And motivation is a big issue. So how are you thinking about motivation, particularly among your salespeople? I am thinking about really helping them with chewable chunks as far as breaking down day to day what it takes to move their business forward because it's very intimidating, especially when you are the way you succeed in real estate in Manhattan is you're doing the transactions relatively large. I mean, we are usually doing million dollar plus transactions and those are what these agents are living off of. And it's very intimidating to think, oh, I'm $20 million away from my goal or I'm $50 million away from my goal. How am I going to do that? And with the agents, what I focus on is, okay, let's measure where you are now and then let's think about, as you know, just, just amp it up 5%, 10%. You do 5 or 10% more than what you're doing today. Do you know how that works exponentially? It's, it's vast change. It is, it is income levels that are so different than what you have now. And that's what we're focusing on is this is where you are. This is where you want to be. You only have to do this because then the rest is going to take care of itself. And I will get in there with you and hold myself accountable as I am ultra accountable to myself because that's this business and set up whether it's call days where we have, you know, the an hour and a half of calls that we do at the same time, maybe even having a Zoom open while we're doing it so people can see each other making calls. 
just continuing with the accountability to really focus on what the skills are that are the leading indicators of sales. Instead of focus, and then of course, mindset's important, motivation's important, camaraderie, uh, training, all of that. But this really focusing on, but listen, when push comes to shove, you just need to make more phone calls. That's all you have to do and set appointments. That's all you have to do. And then if you're in over your head, I'll come with you or my sales manager will, and then you'll do more sales. I love that 5% more. There's a ton of research that says when you're not hitting, you're not halfway to your goal, you're not halfway to your development plan, whatever that is, focusing on the little bit more the next step is the big motivator. This is Gloria Mark's work. and But when you're more than halfway, you can focus on what you haven't done yet. Yeah. Because you can focus on the the things that you've missed, the opportunities that you could go back on. But you got to get people closer to that goal before you can focus on the critical feedback, if you will. It's that one yeah. little bit more, one more thing, this one more thing. I love it. It's fantastic. All right. Um, how do you keep yourself motivated? Well, I must have some sort of internal motivation that exists because I don't think I'd be here if I didn't have some sort of drive that I don't know really where it comes from. And I'll be totally honest with that. But I do genuinely love achievement. And I I love the high of the of all of this, the 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 being with the agents, the um, the selling, the 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 just seeing the growth. Um, but the relationships are really probably what motivates me the most in the end. I'm really highly accountable to others. Um, and so I think, I think that's probably up there, but recently doing more speaking engagements and more thought leadership has really, really, really motivated me and excited me for me being on stage and talking, um, to groups of people, the bigger, the better are, are probably my, that's probably my favorite thing. The people who do those summits, like those motivational summits, I could be up on stage all day long doing that stuff. I love that stuff. So we'll see, we'll see, we'll see what that, where that will take me. In the meantime, I still have a very intense day job, Um, (laughs) but that's, I love that. I'd love to even MC one of those. I don't even need to be the motivator. I'll just MC it just to be up on stage (laughs) with a microphone. I love that stuff. I interviewed somebody who got started as being an auctioneer and started because she just thought it was fun. It was just fabulous fun and started taking the stuff that nobody wanted to do and suddenly has built a quite lovely career out of this auctioneer, particularly for charity. Um, Is that Lydia? Yeah. Yeah. She's amazing. She's amazing. She she inspires me. I actually want, I think I've, I didn't know, I didn't know she does what she does and I ran into her at some point at that country club that we, we belong to. And then, uh, and then I saw her up on stage one day and I was like, wait, what? She's incredible. <laughs> she is incredible. But it's that same thing. I've, you know, got pulled into it, like it, better at it, keep better and better and better and better. And I can see how that would work brilliantly. Okay. Any last pieces of advice you want to give? Oh, advice that I want to give. Um, well, the best piece of advice that I well, it's funny. I got some really interesting advice from Ryan Sarhamp when I was cast on Million Dollar List in New York, and they were it was twofold. One of them was a little bit was a little bit snarky, but I think it was actually important to remember when I was going through the process, which is that you don't owe anybody anything, which is number one, because actually when you start getting into the show, you start to feel like you've got to do favors because everybody's jumping out of the woodwork to to you know get get themselves on the television show with you and 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 have you you know connect them to somebody and all of that which granted 
I did that a fair amount, but it's not something that you need to do. And a lot of the time you need to just focus on what's the most important thing for yourself and your advancement. And then the other part that I really appreciated was you need to be the person you want to be in five years right now, if you're going to put anything out there on social media. So just focus on what that looks like, because the good thing about social media is that it is you actively manifesting what you want to be. And for me, that's why I put so much thought leadership um, content out there is because that's really where my true passion is. And while I do real estate deals by day, uh, I love I love putting putting that out there. And for me, that's that's my that's my active manifestation of um, of what I really care about and what I hope will be my future. Um, for somebody who's been at this business for a long time, it's embarrassing to think about some of the videos of me that are still out there, you know, 10, 15 years later. Oh my goodness. Please don't anybody go Googling those. They were around. Yikes. Wow. I understand exactly where you're coming from on that one. Okay. Today, what takes you out of your comfort zone today? Right now, what's pushing me the farthest out of my comfort zone is actually just the, the internal leadership of the team. That's the hardest part of the whole thing. It's the management and the leadership and motivation day in and day out when ultimately like I could use some own, my own motivation, you know, there are, because it's, it's very hard to juggle. We're still in this weeds of growth and, and it's grown very quickly. And so it's a bigger organization than maybe was the right thing to do at this stage, but we're not going to go back. And so it's, how do we slow down? pick apart and adjust what needs to be fixed so that we can keep going forward. But we're in this, we're in like a plateau moment that we have to, we have to stop for a second and, and be there. And for me, that is incredibly difficult. I'm in the office way more than I ever wanted to be. I want to be out with people all day long and out with clients and showing apartments. And I'm have to be here to make sure that this, that the structure is in the right place here. And that's just extremely, extremely hard for me. So that's where I'm out of my comfort zone because this isn't, this isn't what I want to be doing all day long. Right. It's just not, right. but it, but it needs to happen because it's my baby. Right. And I need to, and I need to be clear of about, there's just a lot of things that I need to be in it, in the weeds doing. People say to me um, all the time, you know, the fun part of them in their careers were the early stages of the careers when you were learning so much every day, you know, and you just feel like you're, you're sipping from a fire hose and you don't know when it's going to stop and if you're ever going to catch up with it, are you ever going to be any good at it and all that, you know, and then you sort of master it. And then they run out of that motivation of learning. And I say, because the content learning isn't ever going to be the same. What is the new piece to learn is this people leadership, whether you've got a formal team or you're trying to persuade a whole bunch of the organization to go in a direction you want to go. That's the new learning. And if you don't master it, your career stalls. Now, it's okay if you say, I'm happy to sit here for the rest of my life. That's fine. Cool. Go right ahead. But that next big push is really all around the people, the motivation, the influence, the persuasion, the navigating conflict. That's where the learning happens. And we say, oh, yeah, right. And forget how hard it is to do. Oh, it is. It's brutal. It's so hard. It's so hard. But it's also the kind of growth that I know is super important. And I know that it's part of getting us to this next stage and, and it's, and it's super necessary. And I have an incredible team and, and it, we're going to make it through, but it's a, it's, it's hard. 
Yeah, I can see that one. I can see that one. I'm not sure I have any immediate advice for you about this one, but I can tell you that it is a big deal. And that thinking about this, how do you motivate people? My Well, I'll see if you agree with me on this one. My belief is that every person has their own hook of what motivates them, their own internal driver. You said yours is around achievement. Somebody else just maybe want to be on the team. Somebody else may want to run with it independently. Somebody may want to take risks. I mean, there's a whole range of individual drivers. And I sort of think until you figure out the individual driver for each person, it's hard to know what to say to them to really pick them up. Does that resonate with you? Oh yeah, that's a very Tony Robbins too. You know the the what's there. You know how people want. Some people want influence. Some people want attention. Some people. You know how he has all those different those different yep. security insecurity. They want you know all of these different pieces. And yes, for me, for me that's been. I have days where I'm like, why am I doing this? What is it that I want? Why? Because it's so it's like pushes you so far to your comfort zone that you start to question everything. Why am I doing it? Yeah. Well, that's where the growth is coming from. Okay. All right, Kristen, what a great, um, Kirsten, I keep, must have pronounced your name five different times. You're good. You're good. That one along the way. I don't know what it is about this name that makes it so hard for me to do. If I think about the summary of what I take from all this conversation with you, I'm going to say, one, I'm coming back to the same thing I've said a hundred times, pushing yourself out of the comfort zone is where the growth happens. And yes, it's scary. And yes, you lose your confidence. And yes, you have to reach out to a whole lot of people. But I think you did a beautiful job of saying what's the secret. One is getting the systems, home and professional in place so that you've got the space to think about those next steps. And you're not just running, 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 running. You can actually dream because you got the space to borrow something I've heard you say in the past. The second is the recognition you can't do it alone. And then figuring out what's that magic secret ingredient for hiring for guiding, for getting people developed so that they are ready to then pick it up and carry it as opposed to, I never want to see this again, good luck, or let me tightly control it and micromanage it. And then the third piece about dealing with the judgment from people, the comments that yes, they come for a whole host of reasons, good, bad, indifferent, and they're hard to deal with. And then the last thing I think I take from you more than anything is this notion about motivation that your job in leading the organization is learning to motivate the individuals that are working with you. Many of whom, in your case, don't have to stay. They're not tied. They could go instantly. And keeping that motivation up while at the same time figuring out how to motivate yourself. I don't think there's a better story for the journey. So thank you very much for being a guest today. What Thank a you for having me. This was so fun. I love this. Great fun. I loved it. It was wonderful fun. All right. And if you've liked the podcast today, please join us uh, for next week on another episode of Getting Out of Your Comfort Zone and like us on your favorite podcast provider. And if you'd like to know more, please check out our subscription service at outofthecomfortzone.com. Otherwise, we'll see you next week for another episode. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in for another edition next week with Dr. Wanda Wallace on the Voice America Business Channel. Reach outside your comfort zone this week.